0: Welcome to the Being Known podcast with my friend Dr. Kurt Thompson and my
1: friend Pepper Sweeney.
0: We are here to discover and explore what it means to be truly known. On today's podcast we're going to be talking about vulnerability. And you know the the definition of vulnerability already makes me nervous. <laughs> it's being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. Mm. You know, that definition alone goes against everything that is in me, right? right? I mean, I don't want to expose myself to being attacked physically and emotionally. And yet, without it, we don't grow, right? right?
1: Well, it's a great topic for us today, Pepper, because, you know, beginning with... Uh the foundational texts of the Bible we hear that the man and the woman were naked and unashamed we We hear that right early out of the gate and you know the hebrew uh the notion of being naked isn't just about the description of the couple's physicality. it's also intended to imply that they are vulnerable creatures, and indeed. As humans, one of the most important things for us to come to terms with is that we are vulnerable. vulnerability isn't just something that we might become or that we have to protect against. We are vulnerable creatures and I mean this is why we wear clothes I mean, we are the only animals that wear clothes on purpose. You know there are some people who put clothes on their animals on dogs. That's weird, but you know I mean the dogs didn't ask for this um but we put clothes on, and we do so because we are vulnerable. But it's also the case that, and, 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 you're, and you're right, our, our vulnerability is what makes us available to be hurt, available to be harmed, to be attacked. And as humans, as opposed to other animals, our vulnerability is not just, or probably for many of us, even mostly in the realm of our physicality. We have lots of ways that we are able to protect ourselves physically. We put clothes on. We have seat belts that we wear in cars. We have lots of ways that we we wear helmets. We are, however, uh, not nearly as easily protected against the emotional harm that comes when, especially it comes unexpectedly from people that we love the most, from people in our families and so forth. And so when we talk today about vulnerability, it's important for us to recognize that uh, we come by our vulnerability honestly and that we are born this way. We come into the world naked. We go out naked, as it were. And, uh, And at the same time, It is that vulnerability that puts us in the most powerful position for creativity. Oddly enough, I'd like to think that I don't want to be vulnerable in my life ever with anybody. I want to be invulnerable. I want to know that I can be certain, that I can be confident, that I'm protected at all times, that I have my armor on and that... No one can get to me, and therefore, since no one can get to me, I can do anything. But again, we return to the Hebrew to recognize that if the man and the woman aren't naked, they can't have sex, and therefore they can't have babies. And the vulnerability that is true of us humans is also the very thing that is necessary for us to be able to powerfully create new things. And as we'll talk about later, shame exploits our vulnerability. Shame exploits our vulnerability, and as it does so, one of the most important things that it does is that it shears off our capacity to create. And so in our attempt to make sure that we are not vulnerable, that we wrap ourselves in our armor, uh, that armor, at the same time, makes it really difficult for us to move around. It makes it really difficult for us to do things. And so, as our audience hears today, one question that we would have is, what are the places in our lives where we have had to protect ourselves, where our vulnerability, we feel like it's been a threat to us, where it has gotten us into trouble, where we somebody, other people have taken advantage of that vulnerability? And at the same time, what are those parts of us that are vulnerable that we would that we long to be able to expose the things that I feel and sense and image my longings? I want to say what I want in order to create powerfully with those around me in my life.
0: You know, as um, a <clears throat> lot of uh, theater I've directed and things like that, one of the things that I'm always trying to do, or when I'm working with you know someone that's going to give a speech or whatever, I'm always trying to uh, make a safe space where the 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 performer the actor the speaker can feel like they can be vulnerable mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. and i've been on the other end of that <clears throat> i remember back in the nineties i was guest starring on a on a tv pilot and i i had a scene where i was gonna be dancing with brooke shields so it was a pilot that she was doing so um I'm coming with uh, ideas and, and, you know, trying to, you want to try to make it better. You want to try to, you know. So I went to the director and I said, hey, I have an idea. And I should have clued in to the look that he gave me (laughs) before I even said what my idea was. (laughs) But in front of everybody, he just said, that's stupid. I don't want to hear another idea out of you. Wow. Wow. I don't know this story. Wow. And I, I just shrunk, right? I mean, I just, yeah, so young actor and just excited to be there and all those things. And talk about shaming your vulnerability and zapping all creativity. From that point on, I just, you know, I, I was so stiff and just doing what I was expected to do. And that, that shame, I think you're right. It just really comes up destroys a vulnerability and then or shames you because of the vulnerability and then it destroys your creativity.
1: Right. You know, I was, I was thinking about you as an actor and all the many, many conversations that we've had about your experience with that. And I I think about the vulnerability that is required for anyone to create the notion that if I'm, if I'm going to speak in I, I, I think especially of your live performances when you've been in theater and there you are yes you've memorized your lines you're doing all this you know you're working really really hard but you are about to do your part you're about to apply your craft in front of an audience of you know 2,000 people and you don't get other takes with this i mean you i mean even and so what what an actor has to be able to do in that moment is an incredibly vulnerable thing to do and then to uh offer your idea as it were to your director and then have your director say that in it's just unconscionable that that would be the case director who apparently wasn't aware of not only were they you know trying to solve their own, you know, that director's solving his own distress about what, what, but also not aware of what he was doing to shear off the creative capacity, of the one that he was trying to actually help and enhance.
0: Yeah. I've never, I've never understood that as a tactic. Yeah. Right. You know, a, a, a tyrannical director of, you know, I mean, it's, it, to me, it's always been about building that environment where people can be comfortable enough to be vulnerable to to then, reach their best in creativity right. for right. sure. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, yeah. I mean, you go know, ahead. it takes a certain amount of vulnerability even to say, Hey, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to go do this. Right. And I've just this past week, I experienced that when it comes to our podcast, mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, I've never done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's outside of my uh, expertise um to a certain extent and oh, good that makes that makes you know, two
1: of us that's great we 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 got two complete
0: <laughs> two complete
1: you know lunatics at the helm of a podcast we have no idea what we're doing
0: right <laughs> right we both kind of we stepped out of our sweet yeah. spot a yeah. little bit but we couldn't create this if we didn't right. if we didn't allow ourselves to be vulnerable and try right. it right and there's a part of me that has to, this is probably a, going in a, in a different direction. And I, I if it, if it is, tell me and we'll save it for another episode. But there's a part of me that like, even this week, as I was listening to something we recorded last time we were together, um, as a, putting my editor ears on, you know, trying to listen to mm-hmm. it and see about where we want to make some changes or whatever. And I hear myself reciting a, a poem. I don't know. I don't know what the, um, uh, order of of these these podcasts are going to be released but the the last one that we recorded this happened in and i thought to myself for a split second i was like who do i think i am mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like 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 mm-hmm. what really you you mm-hmm. but it was a very vulnerable thing for me to share right. to a certain extent right. And then that voice that comes around that wants to say those things right. to you and stop you from going to those right. places. Right. Well, yeah. I think, you know, vulnerability, not not only
1: does it begin early in our texts as people who are believers, but it also begins immediately with, uh, it's, it's just a continuity. There's the vulnerability of the sexual act in which, you know, you, uh, you know, a, a a husband and wife are having this act, and if you want to have babies, you are putting yourself, you're opening yourself to uh, an act over which you don't have control. You don't know if pregnancy is going to follow. You can't guarantee that outcome. We are not in charge of that. And so that's like all acts of vulnerability. We are vulnerable, and then I have to wait for your response. And so what's the outcome of this? If a baby is conceived and the baby then comes into the world, that baby also comes into the world naked. She or he comes into the world, as we like to say, looking for someone, looking for her, and she hopes that somebody will find her. And But there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee of that. And so those acts of vulnerability, you're acting. My doing work, writing a book... Us having this podcast, they are actually acts of vulnerability that are bids for intimacy. When that baby comes into the world, she is asking for intimate connection with mom and dad. That's what she's asking for. And the first thing that happens is they put her up on mom's belly, on mom's chest, and it's right there. We're going to be intimate together. And that never changes for the rest of her life, for the rest of our lives. All acts of vulnerability are also acts of great bidding for intimacy. And I can't guarantee that the person to whom I'm making the bid is going to return that, is going to be able to receive that and say, thank you, your your bid is welcome here in some way, shape, or form. And so from the very beginning of life, we see that in order for life to flourish, we live in a world in which vulnerability is an important and immediate and integral part of how we as human beings get along with each other. Hmm. You know, uh, one of the um, one of the things that we try to teach our kids is, uh, you know, we we teach our kids to say please and thank you, and it's so automatic and. In many of our cultures, you know, experiences, we're just saying, well, that's a polite thing to do. We want our kids to be polite, whatever that means. We want them to be polite. So say please, say thank you. As if it's kind of like these automatic things that we do, but why do we actually do them? Why do we say please? But that whole notion of saying please and thank you are also expressions of vulnerability. Could you please pass the milk? The reality is like, I can't get the milk on my own from here. Could you please help me? I don't have access to the milk. And then when I say thank you, I'm doing the same thing. I'm acknowledging my vulnerability. I'm acknowledging that this gift that you have given me by passing me the milk or by forgiving me for a sin I've committed against you, this notion of please and thank you, again, are acts of vulnerability. And in those actions, I'm making a bid for intimacy with you. Every time that we vulnerably Connect with someone else under whatever circumstances, that relationship begins to deepen ever so slightly. We have an exercise that we have people do on occasion, and I'm sure this will come up again and again here on this podcast because we've returned to this exercise quite a bit. And I have people, if you have your local grocery store that you go to on a regular basis and you come to know some people that work there. You know, we get our groceries, we go to the checkout line, someone takes care of, you know, checking out the groceries, bagging them. We say, thank you very much, and we leave, and we're polite. And it would be noticeable if we just kind of rudely walked off, we didn't say anything, people would notice that, but people might not understand that very well. But the assignment that we often give to people is, if you have this grocery store that that you commonly go to, A different day during your week, maybe the next day after you've been to the grocery store, go back to the grocery store and find the person who bagged your groceries. Take a moment to interrupt them and say, you might not remember me from yesterday, but I just wanted to let you know how grateful I am for your work and for your having helped me yesterday when you checked out my groceries here at the line. I just really appreciate all the work that you do here. I'm just really grateful for that. Now, once the grocer gets past the fact that this is really weird and that like nobody does this, so they're like thinking of calling somebody for help because like I don't know what this person's doing here, coming back. To, once they recognize that you're genuine, there's nothing quite like a person who has the experience of being remembered Of being thanked in that way but for us who are practicing this to go back and say thank you for this it's an act of vulnerability because of course who does this you know we all say please and thank you quite automatically it's quite culturally normal it's so automatic we don't think of it anymore in terms of it being an act of vulnerability it's just something we do but for someone to come back and say thank you With other people watching, like, that's an act of vulnerability. But I will tell you, that act of vulnerability has the potential for creating great beauty and goodness in the life of that person who hears people say thank you and please all day long and for whom it doesn't register because it's so automatic. But this is different. And so there are many, many ways, Pepper, in which our vulnerability, not only do I need your help, because I'm vulnerable, but our being vulnerable actually creates the opportunity for important creative things to emerge that otherwise wouldn't ever. and this podcast would be one of them. I mean, we don't know where this is going to go, but we're confident that in our friendship, which has been built on multiple moments of vulnerability, and you know this is a pod, this is a venture that neither of us have done before, actually creates the opportunity for others to hear this. And be curious about the question where are the places in my life where I feel vulnerable, where I want to seek out someone else to help me create some new icon of beauty and goodness, but it's gonna take the risk of vulnerability to get there.
0: Mm. That's great. You know, I, uh, just as an aside, I watched you um, when I've been with you out in public places, and I've watched you make sure that everyone, Who does any kind of um, work around where we are is told how much you appreciate Mm -hmm. them and specifically for what they're doing. And and I've heard you say, you know, we couldn't be doing what we're doing here if it wasn't for you taking care of this. Whether that's you know um, someone that's serving in a restaurant or uh, someone that's cleaning up some area or something, I've seen you do that, and I've always said thank you to people. But I've since you. Showing that to me, um, I've I've tried to make it a point to um, seek people out and thank them specifically and say specific things that I see them doing, um, because I want them to be seen. And what you know, right? Um, yeah, it's been a you've been a great oh. example of oh, that oh, to Thanks. Me. I appreciate thanks. that.
1: Well, I think I think I I I learned that in my in my home growing up, but I'm also aware that again to this point that we're all vulnerable like it's not like do we get the choice? No. We are vulnerable. And we long even if we don't know this, we long to be seen in our vulnerability. So, people who've done things for you to come up and say thank you so much for having done that, you are speaking into their vulnerability and naming your own vulnerability. Naming like I'm I mean like if 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 it's not for you like we don't get this Done, for which I'm so grateful, and that's the thing, Pepper. It's it's like you know there are plenty of times when I think uh, you know I I'm sure we all wish that we weren't as vulnerable. I'm sure I'm sure I wish that I that the world were not made in such a way that relationships require vulnerability. I wish I could just be in charge, and not be worried and and not get hurt and none of that happen. But vulnerability creates this opportunity for connection that i otherwise if i were okay in my own armor otherwise it would never happen it would ne- I, and i would be walking you know on the earth as an automaton i'd be walking on the earth isolated cut off from people glad that i'm not going to be bruised and completely barren emotionally and in my life and so those those you know, I, I, Again, getting back to the beginning of this, this sense of acknowledging that we are vulnerable is in many respects an important thing because it then leads to the next step, which is with whom can I share this? With whom can I begin the process of no longer hiding my vulnerability, from them but i'm actually going to reveal my vulnerability with these people in this particular way who are the people by whom we are being so deeply known such that there's nothing about me that they don't know and it's in those kinds of relationships when i'm able to be vulnerable and especially about the parts of me that i hate the most those relationships create the latticework for my mind, quite literally, to become less fragmented and more integrated. Because if I'm seen by you, and especially the parts about me that I hate the most, the energy that I've been burning, trying to protect all that, manage that, secure that, I now no longer have to burn that energy because this part about me that I've hated the most is now known by another and you didn't leave the room. In my vulnerability, you've actually come closer. And it doesn't make me less vulnerable, but it makes my vulnerability that much more resilient. It makes my vulnerability that much more capable of being even more vulnerable with you with the next piece of information about my life that I worry about. And in that regard...
0: Yeah, that was the question. I, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Do we get more comfortable with vulnerability in practice? I think,
1: well, you know, you and I have shared some things that have been pretty intimate about our lives, and I, and I, and I, I, have, I have moments in which I just remember, you know, having shared something with you, and you look at me with, you know, with receptivity... And I only want to, like, like I, I can't wait till the next time I get the chance to share the next thing with you about this. And of course, with that being the case, I grow in confidence, not just in sharing vulnerably with you, but I grow in confidence in being able to share vulnerably in appropriate ways with everyone. It doesn't mean that we're vulnerable to the same degree with every person. But it means that we become more comfortable living our lives, recognizing and acknowledging that, like, I'm a vulnerable person. And so even with people that we might not know, we find ways to be vulnerable in ways that are not necessarily going to be threatening to us, but that we can be confident in. And in so doing, one of the things that we discover is like, look, everybody's walking around vulnerable. No, you know, Most of us aren't paying attention to it because we're just too busy protecting ourselves. Until we come across somebody who actually behaves in a transparent, authentic, vulnerable way. And the moment they do, their vulnerability moves like with rapier-like precision and touches parts of our hearts that we've been working really hard to hide. Now, that doesn't automatically mean that I'm going to have the courage to equally share with you, but it's certainly brings to mind something that perhaps I didn't know I was carrying around with me. And it does make it more likely that I am more willing to share things with you when you take that initiative. And so to answer your question, we absolutely do become more effective as we practice this. And so practicing vulnerability in an intentional, thoughtful, wise fashion actually becomes a skill set for us. It's not just, oh, well, you know, Pepper's vulnerable and Jim isn't. It's more a matter of how can we practice this and develop this as a skill set in order for us to be transformational beings in the communities in which we live, in our marriages, with our families, in our workplaces. All these places where everybody in their vulnerability is working really hard just to protect it When we enter into those spaces with wise acts of vulnerability, we create more and more opportunity for greater creativity because we begin to create the space where people can be vulnerable as well and no longer have to walk around managing all that shame that they're burning energy to do.
0: So can you talk to me about, you mentioned uh, a couple of times that we wanna do this in a wise fashion. Can we talk about that a little bit? What, okay, so what would it look like to, to be unwise with our vulnerability?
1: Two things come to mind, I think. I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, with the more obvious thing. Um, we, we live in a world in which it has become quite fashionable for people to be uh, vulnerable in the platform of social media. And in their vulnerability, they're making all kinds of confessions of all kinds of things. But they're not doing it with a human being. They're doing it into a vast ocean of kind of nothingness, right? You're typing it into a screen, into a phone. And you're not actually having to look at the person who's looking at you as you're talking about it. You're not actually looking at all of your, you know, 1,500 friends this would be very different if you were standing on a stage and kind of emotionally undressing in this way in front of 1,500 people who are all then going to be asking you questions and making, you know, that's a very, very different thing. And so what we often think is courageous vulnerability when shared on social media, I would say serves a different purpose and is not always that, is very healthy. So one way that I would say that's important about vulnerability is that to be wise about vulnerability is that we have different things that we can be vulnerable about. So something as simple as, I don't really know how to work this machine. It's a simple question. It's a simple thing to say. And we might say that to someone, I, I'll never forget, my my kids were in high school and college, and I had something I had to, to do on the computer, and I re- wasn't able to figure out what it was. And I, And they knew, and I knew that I wasn't. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a thing in our family. Like Kurt's, like Kurt, Kurt is not your tech master that you go to if you have questions about these kinds of things. But at the time, I had just said to them, "Hey, I, I don't really know how to do X, Y, or Z. I forget what it was. And could I wonder if you could could help me with that?" And one of them, you know, turned and said something that actually, you know, he, he was making fun of me and 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 kind of making fun of me in a way that was like you you know that when you're being made fun of playfully and when you're not being made fun of playfully and uh this was not so playful and i remember saying to them you know um uh, i don't really know what i'm doing and it took a lot for me to ask for your help and it hurt my feelings and you know they were immediately uh they were they were they were immediately moving to repair the rupture I'm which is why like I don't I don't deserve the kids that I have I mean they 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 worked but it was one of those moments where like I'm being vulnerable about something it's just technology now there may be other deeper things about my life that I'm not going to share with my kids there may be things that I might share with my neighbor about, like, I don't really know very well. Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm not very good with mechanics, with tools. Like, I'm not, I might say that to my neighbor, who's like the local, you know, neighborhood mechanic, like, neighborhood, like, fixes everything, right? I hate that guy. And, you know, all the, these, I might say that, but I'm not going to share deeper things with him. But I might say, like, I don't really know what I'm doing here trying to fix this doorknob. Could you come and help me? Like, those are acts of vulnerability that you can be wise about. But if we don't have much practice at all, if we're not even aware of this, we can go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat. We might think, oh, we're just supposed to share anything with people. And we're not really asking for that. We're really saying, who are the two or three people that if you were to give them the most fragile piece of information about your life, that you know of? Who would be the people that you could do that with and you could trust them to hold that and to be kind to you in response, be empathic with you in response? Who would those people be? And my guess is that there might be, you know, two or three, maybe four at the most. For some of our listeners, maybe not even that many. For others, there might be Other things that we could share, but are not the most fragile things in our lives. And we might share some of those less fragile things, like I do with my neighbor about not being able to fix my door handle, but I'm not going to tell him the most fragile thing. I hope that's getting to the question that you're asking.
0: It is. It is very much. I'd like to talk a little bit about how you sit with someone who's being vulnerable with you, how you hold it, how you're, you know, showing empathy you said you said you hold it. Someone that holds it is kind, is empathetic. Like, like, what does that look like? If someone comes and it's a obviously it's going to be someone that you're close to already, or they wouldn't be coming to you with this. Mm-hmm. If someone comes and shares that with you, give us a couple of tips on on how we respond. What's a what's a good way to respond to someone when they're being this kind of vulnerable to us? That's a great
1: question. I was. Uh... I've been with groups where, you know, some of the work that we do in our practice is, of course, um, intentionally arranged in such a way that people are invited to tell their stories and include in those storytelling ventures things that are difficult and necessarily is going to require great vulnerability on their part. Anytime a person comes to see me as a psychiatrist are going to come, you know, they're meeting me for the first time, and, you know, 10 minutes into the conversation, they're in tears because of something that they're telling me that they've never told anybody. And as I mentioned earlier, we don't have a lot of practice at vulnerability, which means we don't have a lot of practice paying attention to who we actually are. And because of that, we don't have a lot of practice with our own vulnerability. We're not aware of the things, even sometimes that we're we're vulnerable about. And when someone shares something with you, my lack of practice with vulnerability means that when they do, it evokes all kinds of feelings in me, the listener. I'm like, oh, what can we do to fix this? Here, let me get you some tissues. And then, hey, how about a burger? Can I get you a burger? I mean, when someone is vulnerable... It evokes a certain sense of a range of things within me, within any of us. And so some of our options are, uh, I want to quickly move on to something other, some other topic. I might say, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. And then I, I want to move on because it's hard for me to tolerate the vulnerability. Or I, they, they talk about what they're feeling and I immediately want to help them fix what I perceive to be a problem. How can I help you with this? Let's see. And I start to analyze what it is that they're saying to me. I want to act either to deflect and distract or to fix, mostly as a way to regulate my own distress. And here's the thing when people are being vulnerable with us, here's the first thing, here's the first tip that's important for us to know. When people are being vulnerable with us, What they mostly need from us is our empathic presence. They just need us to be present and with them. And you're like, well, what does that mean to be present? It means to comfortably, carefully look at them in the eye, to be aware of our own body posture that is not tense, that we are actually at ease, so that we send the message to them that the story that they're telling us is welcome in this space. I also want to notice that I'm gonna be curious about what they're telling me. I wanna be curious and say, could you please tell me more about that? Is there more that you would like to say? I might also validate. I wanna validate what they're feeling by saying, gosh, that sounds really hard. That sounds really painful. And important for our listeners to know this as well. When we talk about validation in particular, you know, if, if someone were to say, you know, tell us a story in which they felt hurt by somebody else, maybe even this happens when I meet with teenagers and the teenager talks about how they felt really hurt by their dad when their dad wouldn't let them have the car for the night because for whatever, they felt really hurt. For me to validate that they felt hurt is not the same thing as me saying, well, you deserve to have the car. To validate what they feel is to essentially acknowledge that the experience that they're having, being linked to the feeling that's generating, that's being generated, like, makes sense. It makes sense that you would feel hurt when your dad said no. That makes sense. That's a separate issue from whether or not it was a good thing for your dad to say no, I would likely be in like total agreement that your dad should have said no to you. But listening with validation helps them know that we are actually connected to what they feel. So we are being present. We're being fully present. We are being attuned to them. I'm paying attention. I'm paying attention to their body language, to their tears. I am being comfortable with that. And this takes work on our part. And I'm going to be curious. I'm going to ask questions. And at the very end, I'm also might ask, is there anything that I can do to be helpful? As opposed to me giving them suggestions about ways that I can be helpful or things that I think that they should be doing differently. You know, I I often give this example. Uh, You know, if your 10-year-old comes to you uh, because he wants a new baseball glove, have I talked about this before? I don't think so. Yeah. The 10-year-old, he, your, your 10-year-old uh, boy comes to you, and he wants a new baseball glove because he's playing Little League and uh, non covidly right? I mean, this is in, in, in another world. He, he wants to, and uh, because, you know, his two best friends that are also on the team are getting new gloves and he would love to have a new glove. He got a new glove last year. And that glove that we got him for Little League last year is still really quite fine. And he hasn't grown so much, but he really wants a new glove. And he's being vulnerable. He's asking for something. He's asking me, his father or his mother, he's asking for something. And I'm going to say, you know, I'm really sorry, but we're not going to get you a new glove. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to hear more about why you want a new glove. And he might say, well, and give me all the reasons why, because he wants to, you know, his friends are getting a new glove, or he wants to, you know, he he thinks the new glove is going to be helpful with him on the field. The thing is, he really wants to play this game well, because he knows that if he plays this game well, you're going to be proud of him. And you're still going to say no, and he's not going to get what he wants. But you but he's being vulnerable because he's asking for something, just like the person who's coming and telling you their story of trauma or their story of of you know of, of distress or loss. And we want to say, I really get where you are. I really understand where you are. You really want this glove, but we're not going to be able to get it for you, but I want you to know that I'm not going to forget it. And the next day. You're going to come back and say, just so you know, I remember that you asked me for the glove, and I haven't forgotten, because I know that you want to play this game really, really well, and I'm going to see to it that I'm going to do everything in my power to help you do it. And in the same way, when people come to us with their pain, it's important for us to know that more than a solution from us, they need our presence. And we so, Pepper, we so underestimate our presence, the value of our presence. We underestimate, like, I mean, look, I'm not having any trouble having people make appointments in my practice in Washington, D.C. I don't think I'm ever going to have trouble with this. People are dying to be heard empathically. People are dying to be able to be vulnerable, to be who they are without working so hard to protect themselves, keeping themselves from being vulnerable. They want to do that with someone who is present, who is consciously aware that their presence is even more important than solving their problem, who's willing to be vulnerable, and who's willing to ask them curious questions about what we can do be helpful those are some tips
0: those are great those are great look them in the eyes have a relaxed posture i mean just 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 sort of straight ahead tips there i think i think are really helpful
1: what you know one last thing i'll say about this we can't actually be that for people if we don't have people being that for us right we can't give people what we don't have And so, for our listeners who want to really use this skill set, want to develop this, it's important to know that I can only offer to others, my friends, my neighbors, even my enemies, I can only offer to them, I can only create space for them to be vulnerable with me to the degree that I'm having the experience of others coming and allowing me to be vulnerable in the same way.
0: Yeah. So, with empathy, right? And you're, you're hearing these stories or or someone's telling you a story or even you in your practice, how do you guard your own heart to a certain extent? Like, how do you, how can you be there for the person without feeling it so deeply that it's just an overwhelming, that you take on Mm -hmm. some of the emotion of the Mm -hmm. other person? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll reflect on that by going right to, going back to what I just said that my ability to be empathic in the office effectively, you know, we we like to say that empathy has its limits. You know, we live in a world in which we would like to be able to do whatever I want and whatever the negative consequences are, I don't want to have to pay the price for that. So that has translated into a situation in which now um, it's a common thing that for many people, for them to receive empathy from you not only means that you feel what they feel, but you also agree with whatever it is that they think is true about their life. And so you must also agree with what I think about my situation, not just that I feel bad, but my thinking about my situation. You must be in agreement with that. And if you're not in agreement with me about this, then you're not truly being empathic, and it's important for us to differentiate that. And when I say empathy has its limits, I, I I use the metaphor of if if the river that you're standing next to was at flood stage, you live in Covington, you live in Cincinnati, you know this. When the river's at flood stage, if you found yourself tied to a rope that was tied to a tree on the bank of the river, and that rope had a certain Length. And it could come and go, and you could get a certain way, a certain distance out into the river. People that were coming by, if there were people that were in the river and they were drowning, you could extend that rope as far out as you could go. And you have lots of options for people. You have a couple of options for people who are coming by. You could let go of the rope and swim out, and you both drown. Or you could make sure that you, like, take you and your rope up next to the tree, and you could wave to them and say, like, Good luck. Or you take your rope and you extend it as far as you can into the river. And you can be helpful, but you can only go so far. And in the same way that a lifeguard, you know, he's empathic, she's empathic, she's coming for the drowning person in the pool. But if the drowning person starts to fight the lifeguard, the lifeguard will do what? The lifeguard will back off and allow the person to go under. Because empathy has its limits and allow the person to go under and then pull them up and bring them in. And so it's important to know that that lifeguard is able to do that, able to make that decision, able to guard their heart, because that lifeguard has had plenty of training with other people. Other people Mm -hmm. have taught them how to do this. And so in the same way, the way that we don't become, we, we don't ourselves drown in other people's sorrow, as it were, is by making sure that we ourselves are also empathically connected with with others. When others can also teach us through their empathy with us what those limits are like, we learn that we are not alone. And if I'm not alone in my empathy with someone else, I can learn that there are certain, I I can feel what you're feeling and recognize that there are limits to that. But that takes practice. And that takes opportunities of being able to say to someone, just like we would say to our child. Our child's really upset. They're really, I I know, I want to go here and do this. What you need, honey, is to go to bed. And they're really upset. And you're a parent, it's breaking your heart, but you're going to say, We're going to bed. For many of us, our ability to have that experience of experiencing difficult emotion and yet knowing that we can be okay, even in the difficulty of emotion, is largely what secure attachment is about, which we'll talk about in another episode. But that secure attachment helps us learn how to practice empathy in a proper way so that I can know what it's like to feel what you're feeling and at the same time maintain my own sense of myself. And in feeling what you're feeling, my hope is that you can feel felt Be more regulated and then make wiser choices because you're now no longer being wrestled to the ground by your own emotion that's trying to wrangle you. Being empathic with you enables you to be more calm, less anxious, and therefore more thoughtful. But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to make wise choices. Empathy is necessary but not sufficient for us to flourish.
0: That's great Kurt. Great stuff. You know, I I I go back to the early on in the in the conversation when you pointed out the fact that you know we are vulnerable. Hmm. It's just something that we are, right? Mm-hmm. And if we want to have deeper relationships, if we want to be creative people, if we want to belong, then you better embrace the suck because, (laughs) because you gotta get, you, you gotta be vulnerable, right? I mean, you're really, you, you already are. So you, you, you embrace it and move forward with it the best that you can in order to grow and, and be at your best. Yeah. And and to, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, you know, I, 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 you're aware of this. I have a, a, on Tuesday mornings for the last twenty five years on Tuesday mornings I have a couple of guys that I meet with for prayer and confession and and I then I also have a spiritual director I meet with once a month for the same purposes and those relationships among a number of others I mean I'm not you know you and I aren't together that often but whenever we are like like we go to bare metal like like there's no holds barred on what we talk about and I think that when we practice vulnerability in other words we don't just wait for those moments to show up and then we'll be that when it happens but we practice vulnerability on a regular basis it's like a muscle that we exercise and that muscle becomes much more effectively useful it becomes strong it becomes versatile it becomes resilient and in so doing it means you learn not just to be vulnerable in those explicit pockets where you're practicing it, but you can also learn how to be vulnerable in appropriate wise ways throughout your day and therefore create space for others to learn to grow in their vulnerability, create space for others to be healed, even in small ways that we otherwise wouldn't necessarily expect to have happen. And so I hope our listeners are able to see how Practicing being real by practicing vulnerability in those particular contexts where it is safe, where we can be seen and effectively protected, enables us to then extend that vulnerability into the lives that we live outside of those spaces and so make the world a place of greater beauty and goodness.
0: I think we end it there, Kurt. That's awesome. I know that we'll be talking about this subject a lot more. In, no matter what we're talking about, it's involved. So right on. Um, I appreciate I appreciate all your guidance on this and your insight. It's been a really great time together.
1: Thanks, Pepper. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. you bet. Until next time. Until next time. Love you. Love you, too.
0: This podcast is produced by Kurt Thompson,
1: Pepper Sweeney, and myself, Amy Cella. Audio production and music is provided by Noah Needleman. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on our website, beingknownpodcast.com,
0: or you can find us on social media at beingknownpod. Be well and be known.
1: I forget. Do I hit the now white button? It's in the, in the red in the, in, in the red box. What do we do?